0: Well, good morning and welcome to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. We are so glad you're here this morning. Whether you've been coming for years or whether this is your first time, we are thrilled to see you this morning. If you're visiting with us, though, we would love for you to take this Connect card and fill it out. And on the way out, there are offering buckets. And you don't have to give an offering, but you can definitely put this in. If you're a member, you have to give an offering. Just kidding. Just kidding. Not really. Anyway connect card, fill it out. If you have a prayer request, we would love for you to write that on here. You don't even have to put your name on it, but we will pray for you on Tuesday when the lead staff meets. So I encourage you to do that. I tell you what, it's going to be a wonderful morning. God is here. His presence is in this place and we get to worship him. We get to not only sing, but we get to hear the word and we get to worship him. Let's pray together. And then we'll stand and sing. God, we thank you and praise you for this morning. We thank you that we can come into your presence and bless you and give you glory. And God, we thank you that you will bless us and that you will touch lives. You will break chains. You will minister to people's hearts. And God, you will uplift, encourage, even convict. And God, we come into your presence to worship you. You are the way maker. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. You are here moving in our midst, Lord.
1: Yes, sing that. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship. You. you are here, working in this place. I worship
2: you. I worship you. You
1: are waymaker. You are waymaker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, that's right, you are way me
0: chapter 2, verse 20, it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And in Psalm chapter 63, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Praise the Lord. He's the reason I can sing. He's the reason I can give him everything. Amen.
1: Sing it out. There's a reason I can sing. There's a reason for this life inside me. One name above all names. There's a reason for this hope.
2: There's a reason for this hope. For the peace.
1: final breath has left these lungs, I'll forever be with you, where the song goes on and on
0: be seated.
3: Thank you, Dwayne. What a great morning to praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue. In a spirit of worship, as we uh, prepare our hearts to give this morning, obviously we don't uh, pass the plates as as usual, um, but there are several ways that you can still give. Uh, One of those is uh, via online. You can uh, go to lindsaylane.org and click click the online giving tab and give that way. You can text uh, LLBC to 73256 and give that way also. Or we have big white buckets at any of the doors on your way out. You can drop uh, your tithes and offerings in those buckets as well. And um, we would uh, just pray that you would do that. Uh, We're going to pray now over our offering. And uh, Pastor uh, Alan Ostrich is going to come and uh, deliver God's word this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for your grace. God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you uh, for being a wave maker, a miracle worker. Promise keeper, our light in the darkness, Father, as we've sang, God, this morning. We thank you that we could... Praise and worship you this morning. We pray that we'll continue to do that through our giving, Lord. We pray we'll give out of a cheerful heart, Lord, and that you would continue to bless uh, this church of yours here at Lindsey Lane. We pray that you continue to do great things here in all three of our campuses. Pray uh, uh, great things for Lindsey Lane North, great things for Lindsey Lane East, and we pray all these things for your fame and for the good of man. And we pray these in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Lindsey Lane.
4: I'm not in the sanctuary with you this morning, but I am on campus. Last year, as we were building our ministries back towards reopening the church, I asked our staff members to set the example of service and volunteer to regularly serve in our children's ministry. Graciously, they've all done just that. And that challenge didn't exclude me either. So today I'm serving and leading in our children's ministry. And the last time I did, it was a pleasure and I left encouraged to serve once again. While I am in a different part of the campus, our North Campus pastor, Alan Ostriski, will be bringing the message today. Many of you know Alan, but for those of you who don't, Alan is a dedicated leader who loves the church and is truly gifted at preaching God's word. He faithfully served here at the main campus as children's and student pastor before leaving to serve as our campus pastor in Eltmont. Together with his wife, Rebecca, and the dedicated leaders of our North Campus, Lindsay Lane North continues to grow to new spiritual and physical heights. So please help me welcome to the pulpit today, my friend, Alan Ostris.
5: All right, well thank you Andy John for that introduction. My youth pastor that is speaking for me at North did not get that. So he can deal with it. Man, we are so excited to be here. It has been a minute since I've been in here on a Sunday morning. And so whether you are joining us in person, or I know many are out and about, on, uh, and so some are joining online, we are so very thankful uh, for you being here today. Memorial Day is is one of those days. Memorial Day weekend is a time that we have the opportunity to look back and be thankful. Uh, we get to remember The sacrifice that so many have given, all of our veterans, but those that specifically have paid the ultimate price for us to be gathered to do what we're doing today. And so I would be remiss not to, to bring that up as we continue in our worship, but it gave me pause to think back about things that I am thankful for and people that I am thankful for. And I just have to tell you, I am thankful for Lindsay Lane. Uh, I don't know if y'all realize this or not, but I've I've been on staff for 12 years. It is the only family, the only church family that my family has ever known is Lindsay Lane. We've never worshiped anywhere else. And then we were sent out to Elmont under Lindsay Lane North, the banner of Lindsey Lane North. And uh, man, we are so very thankful for all of the support, all of the prayer, uh, and the manpower that you guys uh, provide for us on a day-in and day-out basis. We are extremely thankful. I'm thankful to serve under incredible leaders like Andy John and and, and before that, Pastor Dusty. Uh, Andy John, man, is a grinder. He is, he is all about getting after. The reason why you hear things like sweat equity and getting after it from Andy John is because that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, Andy John will work to earn it with you. And I would say if he hasn't earned it with you, then you need to plug into the church a little more. Uh, because if you're doing anything in our church, I promise you, Andy John's serving right alongside you. And I appreciate his friendship uh, so very much. I appreciate his wisdom. Uh, and I appreciate it. He's just an easy guy to work for, somebody that's going to be serving right alongside you as you serve. Uh, and, and I think about with, with Pastor Dusty, and not just because I had to ask, actually, Becky, to make sure. I didn't know he was in the room. Where is Brother Dusty? There he is. Okay. I, I saw your wife. I, I didn't know if you were in tow or not. But uh, uh, I... I yeah, I think about Pastor Dusty, and I think, man, what, what an incredible vision! What an incredible lesson on vision! And 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 when I talk about vision, I don't even mean just the things that have been accomplished at Lindsey Lane over these twenty-eight years. Um, but I've expressed to him something that he probably contributed more to my understanding of vision than any other person with any singular act than when he who has juice for days. Y'all heard him preach just a few weeks ago. He's got juice for days. He's still got it. Uh, he can preach forever. But, uh, and, and long, too. Right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you'll be thinking the same thing about me later. No, he, he, could st- he can still do it. But to have the vision to hand the keys over to Andy John, I thought about this. This, this is what I actually have expressed to him, but I believe it's selling him short. I, I said things like, you know, it's one thing to have a vision when you're the one driving. It's another thing. How committed are you, though, to the vision that God has given you when it's required that you hand the keys to someone else? I believe this, his vision in this transition to be one of the most, if not the most, most incredible acts of vision that I've ever seen that's ever made an impact on this pastor's life. Uh, And so I'm so thankful for him. But I believe that's selling him short. That reason, to to see things that way, is to come with an understanding that Dusty thought he was driving the church to begin with. You see, for Dusty to make this transition took incredible vision, but his vision was driven by the fact that God's been in the driver's seat all along. He's not handing the keys to anybody because the one that's in the driver's seat is still in the driver's seat. It's his church and we are leading it as effectively as we can for the kingdom of God. It has nothing to do with who's in the driver's seat. They just get to go along for the ride. And I have learned that lesson firsthand. Man, anything, if if being at North for two years has taught me anything, it has taught me that I am ill-equipped to lead North. That's that's, that's the sum total of everything that I've learned in pastoral ministry for two years is that I am ill-equipped to lead North. This church. But you know what I've found in Scripture? That's kind of the point. God is on record through Scripture having a habit of using men who were all ill-equipped for the task they were given. So that when it was accomplished, you couldn't say, man, Gideon, way to go, buddy. You couldn't look at David and say, man, great shot, way to go, David. You look at every one of those circumstances and go, wow, what a great God. What a great God to be leaned on. And so he puts us in these situations so that as he leads, he gets the glory. There are some things I want to share with you. What's happening in Elkmont can only be attributed to the fact that God is driving this thing. God is driving it, and I am doing my best to maintain being faithful to the Lord, and I'm letting him do what the Lord does. Uh, we've seen some incredible stuff. We are now, as a church, averaging over 200 each Sunday. Uh, God is moving. Our, our our issue is we need places to put them. Uh, we, need, we need places to put people. Our 50-plus kids that we have every Sunday morning, and we got to find spots uh, for those people and, and volunteers in order to staff those positions. But it's not just numerically. We've seen 14 salvations. From this time last year, we had a meeting with our, our volunteer team Uh, From this time last year, we've seen 14 salvations, people that passed from death to life. We've seen 21 baptisms. And we've seen 25 families join the work that God is doing in Elkmont. There's no way to describe it other than God is good. The favor we're seeing in this community is a result of a lot of prayer from a lot of people for a really long time. That's all that you can say to describe what God's doing in Elkmont. I'm just thankful to be a part of it. I'm just thankful to be there. And God is doing a work, and we are so very thankful for his faithfulness through that. But I want to read this to you. If Lindsay Lane North, if Lindsay Lane Main, if Lindsay Lane East, if Lindsay Lane Northwest, Southwest, South, Southeast, wherever we end up going, if Lindsay Lane is to be anything for the community, in this community, in the community they're in, it's not going to be because of our great worship. It's not going to be because of our great preaching. It's not going to be because of our great kids and student ministries or our great groups. It will be because of our great God and our great dependence on Him. If Lindsay Lane is to be anything, it will be our great dependence on a great God that accomplishes anything of eternal value. Do you know know the mark? The clear indicator in your life, if you are to be the man that God has called you to be, the woman God has called you to be, or to be the church that God has called you to be collectively, do you know the clear indicator that you are dependent on God? It's the amount of time you're willing to spend in prayer. Prayer is the most identifiable marker in our lives to show and recognize utter dependence on God. People of prayer are dependent on God. And so if we're going to be anything for the kingdom of God, we must do it on our knees in prayer. Corey Ten Boone says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is it a first action or is it an action that you take when all other action has failed? Is it your steering wheel or your spare tire? And so today we're going to talk about being a people of prayer. I'm convinced that what we're doing in North is a result of prayer and how we as the people of God can get active in what God is doing, not just here, not just in Elma, not just in Harvest, but throughout the entire world by getting active in prayer, being a people of prayer. And so we're going to do some things that may be a little uncomfortable for you today. We do this stuff at North quite a bit. We're going to try it out here as well. And so I want you to find something that you can follow along with me, something that you can write on if you need to take your phone out and you need to uh, jot it down in notes, whatever you need. to. I want you to, I want you to contribute. I want you to, to, to track with us as we go through this service today because I believe God's going to do a work in our life because we're going to look at a man who God had given another vision, a man who had been given a great vision And he was completely and totally ill-equipped to complete it. Turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, bless your word. God, may you communicate exactly what you would have communicated to your people. And then let me be quiet. God, we love you and we thank you for what you're going to show us today. As we seek you in prayer, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Number one, Nehemiah chapter one. Number one, our prayer lives should be, number one, noticed through need. Read with me in your copy of God's word, Nehemiah chapter one, beginning in verse one. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev in the 20th year as I was in Susa, the citadel that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah and and asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now you need to understand something about Nehemiah as he writes this passage, as he, as he writes this, as we record this. Nehemiah is in the capital city, in the palace, more than likely the most fortified structure in the kingdom of Persia. And so he is in the heart of the Persian Empire. He is serving in the royal court of the king of Persia. And his mom and them show up, right? His folks show up and he begins to ask questions about Jerusalem. Although Nehemiah was hundreds of miles away in his, where he was physically, his mind and his heart were still with God's people in Israel, still with the city specifically of Jerusalem. And so he intentionally asked and inquired about the needs of, of others. He began to ask, what, what is, what's the news of Jerusalem? What's the news of the people in the, that were in the exile? They were scattered abroad in the exile. What's news of home? You see, Nehemiah was very intentional about his conversation in order to see the need that would arise. And so if we're to be people of prayer, number one, we should be people that are intentionally looking toward the needs of others. My question I have for you is, how intentional are you about the needs of others? I'm not sure about you, but I'm a pastor. And I can go entire weeks without considering the lostness of anyone in my life. I can go entire weeks without being concerned about the lossness of the guy that's pumping gas right beside me. I can go entire weeks without being concerned about the guy that is feeding, that is bringing me my meal at dinner or lunch. I can go entire weeks without wondering about the losses of somebody that's in there in an elevator with me. I can go entire weeks because I'm so focused. I don't know about you men... But I am a typical male. I, am, I have a one-track mind. My wife informs me of this often. It's why she likes to see my eyeballs when, I'm talking, when she's talking to me. Right? Because she knows I'm one-track mind. And, and so often in my life, if my track, my default track is get what I got to get done today accomplished. And if I am not careful, I can go my whole life meeting my own needs and never being intentional about the needs of others. That if I'm not careful, I can make my whole life saturated with everything in my life, and Satan will make sure that it happens, and it can completely, I can completely miss the plan that God has, has played in my life. I've prayed for opportunities to share my faith with people. I've made intentional efforts in my quiet times. God, give me Today, give me the opportunity to share Christ with somebody, to see somebody. What steps are we taking to be intentional with others? We can never meet a need until we're willing to see a need. And we will never see a need until we're willing to shift our focus off of ourselves. Have you ever thought the reason why you're too busy is the design of the enemy? Have you ever thought that it's a tactic the enemy uses to ensure that you are minimally effective for the kingdom of God. We must be intentional about things that really matter. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to get that sheet of paper. I want you to pull up the notes there on your phone, whatever you've got to do. And I want you to take a moment right now to write down at least three people that you know of that have needs in their life, that have needs going on right now. Somebody outside of yourself in your immediate circle that you know have needs going on, I want you to write them down, and we're going to take 30 seconds, and I want you to write them down, and I want you to pray for them right now. Write them down, and we're going to take 30 seconds here of silence to pray and lift up these people that God has laid on our hearts. Can we do that now? Not only is our prayer life noticed through need, number two, it's born from brokenness. Listen to Nehemiah 1.4. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now as we do study on this, the scholars have, have surmised that more than likely, Nehemiah, when he says that he fasted and he mourned and he wept for days. Many people believe, many people smarter than myself, believe that he wept, fasted, and prayed for four months. For four months, Nehemiah was broken about the condition of the walls in Jerusalem. We we believe that he fasted up until Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, he begins to act on it, but we believe that he fasted for four months. Months and prayed and he wept. Why? Jerusalem was the place of worship for the Hebrew people. More specifically, the temple that had been built by Ezra. We find that in Scripture. Ezra and then Nehemiah, they're in chronological order. Not all the Bible is, but these books are. And Ezra had built the temple of God, but the temple of God was vulnerable. And if the temple of God was vulnerable, what you did in the temple of God was vulnerable. What what did they do in the Old Testament temple? They worshipped. And so the worship of God was threatened. Because there was no walls, the temple had been built, but there were no walls to protect it. The worship of God was threatened, and this broke Nehemiah to his very core. His desire was to protect the worship of God in his day. Can I ask you a question? Where is the New Testament temple? And please, my friend, do not say it is the brick and the mortar that we are gathered in today. You see, the New Testament temple is not built with hands. The New Testament temple, as Paul would describe, the New Testament temple is me and it's you. We are the New Testament temple. And can I just be really honest with you for a second? The worship of God in the New Testament temple is under attack. New Testament worship is at stake. Not because churches are being challenged, but because the church, when people who make up the church are being challenged to live their life in compromise, to live their life rejecting what they know to be true. Live their life making a difference for the kingdom of God. Worship is at stake. If Nehemiah could fast and pray and mourn for four months, how much more should we be broken over the, re- over the lack of New Testament worship today? That we see somebody who could be a temple of God, but yet they're a temple to this world, they're a temple to their father, the devil? They're living out their own lives the way that they want to and we don't look at them and and get angry at them. We look at them as someone made in the image of God that deserves, that, that has the opportunity to worship God in their lives. And because God is worthy of that person's worship, we are broken for them. When's the last time you've been broken over lostness in your life, the people in your life? Charles Spurgeon says you'll never be a winner of souls unless you are first a weeper for souls. Until you are truly broken over the sin, until you are broken over their lostness and the fact that God is glorious and deserves their worship. You will never be a true winner of souls. One of the greatest enemies of the church today is that we've lost our sense of brokenness over the things that break God's heart. We would rather win an argument on social media, we'd rather win an argument than make a difference in the lostness of an individual. We choose to respond to sin with judgment, in anger, I can't believe somebody would think this way. I can't believe somebody would live this way or have this ideology. We choose to respond to sin with judgment and anger and instead of working toward their justification in love. We get angry. We aren't seeking reconciliation of others. Listen. If the church, if there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, does it not stand to reason that it ought not be the major message that the world hears from us? If there's no condemnation in Christ, why are we so full of it toward others? This is who God has created us to be, to be free from our sin. So the message that we preach is not, I can't believe you're in sin, but here's a way out. Here's life outside of your sin. we be broken for the needs of others. Charles Stanley says, Brokenness in God, in, is God's requirement for maximum usefulness. Are you broken about the things that God is broken about? So on your notes, I want you to pray and ask God to reveal one area in which you have lost your sense of brokenness. An area where you've grown cold in your walk, and I want you to write it down. I just want you to give it over to God right now. Let's all take 30 seconds and do that, please. Amen. Our prayer life is noticed through need, it's born through brokenness, it's proven through persistence. But listen to verse I mean, listen to verse five, it's proven through persistence. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keeps His commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, that I now pray before you night and day. For the people of Israel, your servants. Studies show that you've got to do something 21 times pretty quickly in order for something to be a habit for you. 21 times. You've got to do it 21 times routinely until it becomes a habit. Can I ask you this question? Is prayer a habit for you? Is prayer something that you just can't get away from? Is it like the song that's stuck in your head that you can't quit singing? Is prayer a habit? For you? Have you made it a habit to come to God with the things that you either think you can handle but you can't, or the things that you know you can't handle? Is prayer a habit for you? George Mueller was an incredible man of prayer. In fact, if you want to feel really spiritually insignificant, read a work by George Mueller. The man was an incredible man of prayer, and he had an orphanage of many, many orphans, and he would gather the orphans. Stories tell us that he would gather the orphans, if they didn't have anything to eat, he would gather them to pray, and they would bless their breakfast. And he would pray, and he would pray, and he would pray, until he received a knock at the door, and it was the baker who would inform him that they had a canceled order and they needed somebody to eat all this bread. And then, once they ate bread, they were thirsty. Right? You give a mouse a cookie. And so they would gather together and they would pray and they would pray and they would pray, only to be interrupted by a knock on the door, which was the milkman, who had informed them that the wheel on his cart had broken and he, that he needed to unload all the milk before it spoiled. Would they have it? He was an incredible man of prayer that made it a point to come to God in prayer. We tend to pray when things are very pressing in our life. Desperate needs is what typically per- drives us to persistence in prayer. But let me remind you whether you feel it. Or not, you are in just as much desperate need of God today than you have ever been. You are just as hopeless, you are just as helpless, you are just as wretched, you are just as sinful outside of a connection with God. You are just as desperate as you've ever been. I am just as desperate standing before you delivering this today. I'm just as desperate for God as I have ever been, regardless of if I've received a bad report on my medicals or my finances aren't in order or I have a family member that's gone wayward. I'm just as in much need of Him today as I've ever been. So I want you to write down in your notes... The last time that you've persistently prayed for something in your life. What were the circumstances? And then I want you to pray that God would give you the same persistence in specific areas of your life today. Let's take some time to do that. Prayer is noticed through need. Prayer is born from brokenness. Prayer is proven through persistence. Number four, prayer is reliant on repentance. Listen to Nehemiah 1.6. The latter part of that verse is confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. What is Nehemiah doing here? He's getting right with the Lord. He's recognizing the sin in his own life. The the time mourning and in prayer has brought him to the place of repentance and brokenness for sin. But not only his sin, but the sin of others. And he is confessing those sins. He is repenting of those sins. It's a reminder that prayer is a sinking mechanism of our heart to God's. Not of God, God to our hearts. We are making God do what we want Him to do, but it is a sinking mechanism of our heart to God's. That we are to be walking in step with Him, praying in His will and not our own. Prayer is aligning ourselves. E. Stanley Jones says prayer is aligning ourselves with the purposes of God. And so I have an illustration that I want to give you today of what that means. There is something called a click track that... Our worship leaders at North, the worship leaders here at Maine, that we use every single Sunday that you're unaware of. There's a sound that they hear in their ears every time they lead worship that keeps them in sync. It keeps them on rhythm. And so as they're singing the reason and worshiping, and you're worshiping along with them, there is something going on in their head, which I'm just gonna be honest with you. It's an ADHD person's nightmare. I want you to listen. This is called a click track. I want you to listen to the click track of the reason that they're listening to as they're leading you in worship.
6: Intro, two, three, four. Thank you. Verse two, three.
5: Anybody else think they'd have a hard time leading worship with that going on in their head? It is, it's not the the click is one thing, but the awkward dude telling you what to do is something entirely different. Um, I, want, I don't know if you can customize that, like I don't know with like navigation, Siri or something. I don't know if you can customize that or not. But anyway, why do we do it? We do it because it is obvious when musicians get out of sync. It's obvious when they are not on the same track, when the music doesn't line up with the vocals, or the vocals doesn't line up with the music, or the drummer's off and going on his own thing, or the the keyboard's off, and we use this to keep everybody on beat. Can I tell you, there's been a lot of times in my prayer life where I've been completely off beat with Jesus. My heart was not aligned with Him, and so... For prayer to be a sinking mechanism of the heart is telling for how we should view our lives in prayer. C.S. Lewis says we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. It doesn't change God, it changes me. James 5.16 tells us the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When we compare that to uh, Psalm 66.18, it says if I have cherished iniquity in my heart... The Lord would not have listened. It's essential that we get right with God. We realign ourselves with Him so that we can see God working in and through us. When we're righteous before God and realigned with Him, then we will be in alignment with His will as well. And so I want you in your notes, I want you to write out specific times where you have fallen short recently sins in your life recently that you need to confess to the Lord. I want you to be close and clean to Jesus. I want you to repent of that sin right now in these next few moments. Prayer is noticed through need. Prayer is born from brokenness. Prayer is proven through persistence. It's relying on repentance, but it's filled with faith. Nehemiah 1 8. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, then though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. In context, As Nehemiah is praying this prayer, God's people have have never been more scattered. It was the general practice of all of Persia. When you overcome, when you take over a country, you spread their inhabitants over the entire empire. And so literally there were Hebrew people at the northern and southernmost parts of the Persian Empire. They were at the westernmost and the easternmost corners of the Persian Empire. God's people had never been more scattered in their entire history. But Nehemiah praise God, you're going to gather them up. We've prayed, I have confessed, we have repented, and you will prove yourself faithful. The question is not if God is faithful, but rather if we'll be faithful to him in return. Nehemiah returned to the Lord before he ever returned to the promised land. He began to trust God. He began to realign himself. And as he was realigning himself, as he was mourning, as he was broken, all of the things that we've discussed, God began to give him confidence in his promises it's easy preaching and hard living, but God desires that we live in such a way that faith is required for daily life. James says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But Dad Gummet, it is so much more comfortable to live in our own means, is it not? It's so much more easy to live in a certain bubble of comfort. That God, I will pursue you as long as I've got something to catch me if things go wrong, but to follow him with abandon is what God has called us to do. William Shedd says, a ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships were made for. We can live a comfortable Christian life, insulated from others and apart from true work and danger in the kingdom of God, but my friend, that's not what you were designed for. That's not what you as a child of God signed up for. You were called to live by faith. And so I want you to write down an area of your life that requires you to have faith presently. Something that requires you to have faith right now. And then I want you to write down a time in the past when God has proven his faithfulness to you. Remind yourself with God's past faithfulness in your present distress. Let's do that now. Prayer life is noticed through need, it's born through, from brokenness, it's proven through persistence, it's relying on repentance, it's filled with faith. Sixth, and finally, it is concluded with commitment. Nehemiah 111. Let's read it together. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. What man? Now I was the cupbearer for the king. You know the sum total of Nehemiah's prayer brought him to? Nehemiah would have probably been a lot more comfortable to sell God short of anything but this. Man, Hannah and I, that's terrible. Hope y'all work it out. Y'all should probably build a wall around that thing. Here's a couple dollars, go build it. Anything but what God called them to. You know the sum total of Nehemiah's prayers? God, I'm broken over this. God, I'm mourning over this. God, I'm having faith that you will do what you, what you said you will do. All of these things, I'm persisting in this. And God told him, hey, Nehemiah, it's you. You're the one that I'm preparing to do this work. Every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure, is what D.L. Moody says. For us to spend time in prayer and then to go on like nothing has changed is to miss the point of prayer. Prayer realigns us so that we can move forward. It is concluded with commitment. You know what he said? There were probably other people more qualified to build a wall around Jerusalem. But Nehemiah had a heart for it. And though he had limitations, he began to think about who he was and where he was and what he was doing. Did you know that the temple and the wall both were built on the dime of a pagan king? Persian king. A Persian king built the walls around Jerusalem, built the second temple. There's other people more qualified, but I'm going to use what God has given me in the position that he's placed me in. And I'm going to leverage everything for the worship of God to continue. For the worship of God to resound in Jerusalem. I'm willing to leverage it all. He was uniquely suited. Uniquely suited by God and positioned there to make a specific impact for the kingdom of God in his day. There's a sense in me that I'm very, very fearful of the world that my kids have to grow up in. If you're a parent in here, you've probably shared some of the same concern. Man, the the life that they're going to, the things that they're going to be exposed to. What is the world going to do to my kids? But to believe that, And to allow yourself to go down that line of thought is to miss the point of prayer. You know what God has taught me? I shouldn't be so concerned about what culture is going to do to my kids as much as Satan should be concerned about what my kids, being who they were supposed to be in Christ, can do in this culture. My kids, Cooper, Hudson, and Maddie, are uniquely designed by God to make a difference in the ministry context that God has called them to live. Regardless of what culture does in the future, my kids are still called to be salt and light. It was true for my dad. It was true for my granddad. It was true for my great-granddad. It was true for all of them, and it's true for me, and it's true for them. Great is His My kids are but a puzzle piece in a grand, grand puzzle of time-space history to be the church in a culture that denies him. I don't have to fear. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, prayer and supplication. Now it's up to Cooper, Hudson, and Maddie to make those decisions to be the people that God's called them to be, but me as their daddy. All I know to do is to pray and lead them as faithfully as I can. But I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference for the kingdom of God. I hope you understand. I don't mean that in any type of, of proud way. I want to make an impact. But I think about any impact that I make similar to my dad, who took, would take me hunting as a kid, and now I take Cooper hunting. And there was a time, I'm glad he's not in here because I'd hate to break his heart, um, Cooper hunts with us. He duck hunts with us, and we love to duck hunt. We don't kill a lot of ducks. But every now and then we'll catch it just right and we'll kill a bunch of ducks. Well, Cooper shoots. Mostly air. And Cooper claims everything that falls. And so we will have a day where we just, we, we, we kill a bunch of ducks and we take pictures with them, right? We take pictures and ho- hoist them up. We're proud, we're excited, we're men, you know, right? He told, God told Peter, rise, kill, and eat. We have risen, killed, and eaten, right? We will eat these. And so we do that. And Cooper always says something to me. He usually says something like, boy, Daddy, we sure did kill a lot of ducks, didn't we? What kind of father would I be if I looked at my son, knowing that he probably didn't add anything to this equation? To look at him and say, what do you mean we? You didn't have anything to do with this. It's crazy to think that you did. I've been hunting my whole life. Of course I'm the one that gave to this. No, what do I say? Cooper, you're, you're right, buddy. We sure did. You know what I believe? That's going to be very similar to how our well done is in heaven. We didn't do anything, we didn't bring anything to the table. But our Father gets to tell us. Our Father has the opportunity to tell us not, you didn't contribute anything. What about this time or that time? He gets to say, well done. It was God that made the impact. He just used me, and I get to be along for the party. Well done, good and faithful servant. To conclude today, I want to conclude this time of prayer with commitment. I'm going to do something unorthodox in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, I'm going to ask you to find somebody. All right, find somebody to pray with. If, you, if you're not close to anybody, you can pray with your, in the your quietness of your own heart, that's fine. But the design is, I want you to find somebody, another family, another group, honor people's wishes if they're, they're concerned about COVID. But I want you to find somebody that you can pray with as a family or as, as a group of families. And I want you to pray that God would show you what it is that he, in this time of prayer, what God would call you to act on today. I want you to find somebody and i want you to pray with them about how god would use what he's taught you today for his kingdom glory would you do that even now as everybody is moving find somebody you can get out of your seat that's all right god can move in your heart there and he can move in the heart in the seat beside there okay find somebody and we're going to spend our last few moments in prayer As you find your groups, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I join the hearts of saints throughout this room, in their homes, wherever they're at, listening online. God, as we just lift up the fact that we are utterly dependent on you. God, I pray as we have aligned ourselves with you, God, that you would receive glory and honor and praise for everything that's done. May we be a people of prayer. And then, God, through that prayer, way, may you show us where we need to be invested, where we need to live, what we need to do, how we need to act. God, I believe the time of response has already begun. But, God, as we go into a familiar time of invitation, I pray for one that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. God, that through all of this, they've realized that they don't know you as Lord and Savior. They don't have a relationship with you, God. I pray that you would draw them to yourself. I pray that they would find myself or Brother Randy here at the front where we can get them connected with a counselor, that we can share with them the hope that's found in you. I pray for one that may need to do business with you here at this altar, that may need to uh, intercede for others, that may need to, uh, uh, Father, intercede for themselves, to realign themselves with you here at this altar. But God, I pray that whatever you would call us to do, God, that you would break us and that we would act. God, we pray that you would be glorified and lifted up in this time of invitation. Father, would be our prayer. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet? We have this time of invitation. Would you stand and would you come if the Lord leads you? Would you come?
1: I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well. Your spirit
5: Gee, would, would you come i'm
1: forgiven because you were forsaken and i'm accepted
3: Thank you, Dwayne. You should have got a connect card in your bulletin when you came in. Um, If you did not respond in our response time, you're more than welcome to uh, do that afterwards. You can just drop that uh, card in any of our buckets on your way out, and we can uh, connect with you at some point in time this week, maybe discuss uh, baptism, joining our church, or any of those things. Um, Before we go into some more announcements, we've got a quick uh, missions highlight video. Check this out.
6: Hi, Lindsay Lane. This is Dan and Emily Heinkel from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, We are ministers living among a group of refugees from Somalia here in our city. And Somalis are almost 100% Muslim, not because they've rejected Jesus, but simply because they have not historically had access to the gospel. So many of our friends here have never heard uh, the the true message of the gospel Um, since... The early 90s, uh, Somalia has been in civil war, and the war continues to this day. And for that reason, more Somalis live outside the country of Somalia than within its borders. And Somalis can be found in almost every country in the world. They've just been totally displaced. And so God has brought 6,000 to our neighborhood here in Nashville and uh, God has given us a team to uh, love them and serve among them so that they might hear and believe. Um, Our uh, vision scripture for our friends and neighbors is John 5, 25. Um, A time is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Um, So we are praying uh, that God would Uh, multiply disciples and churches and leaders among the Somali community in Nashville and to send Somali missionaries from Nashville to every nation where there are Somalis. Um, God has given us a few uh, platforms and avenues uh, to to accomplish this and we're so grateful for uh, our team here uh, as well as a platform selling camel milk in the Somali community Uh, in order to make relationships and share the gospel. So uh, God has provided uh, a business submission platform uh, where we are selling camel milk, and uh, we we often will show up at the door of a family here in our neighborhood with a bottle of camel milk, and it just opens every door for us to have relationship and a gospel conversation. Um, So actually the word Somalia means to go out and to milk a camel, and so it's something that's very dear to them. They love it. And we're, we're um, just pleased to be able to offer it to them as well as offering um, true life uh, through the message of Jesus. Um, so we are so grateful. Uh, for how God has given us support from Lindsay Lane over the years. And uh, we are, we're honored um, to call Lindsay Lane our partners in the gospel. So we just ask that you uh, continue to labor in prayer for us as we um, see Somali refugees Uh, come to faith in Jesus. Yeah, one specific way that you could pray for us is just praying that we would be able to get into Bible studies with our Somali neighbors, that they would hear the truth uh, from the Word of God and and believe. So, thank you so much for praying for us. Yeah, Thank you all so much, and we love you. Bye-bye from Nashville.
3: Again, that's one of our missionary partners here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church there in Nashville, and we want to keep that before you that our missions offering will be in October. That will be our Give to Go offering, and that will support all of our missionaries for the upcoming uh, year. Uh, We also want to thank Alan and Becca uh, for coming down from Lindsay Lane North. Give them a round of applause. Thank you. Alan has already exited back behind the door, so Becky, you can relay the message that I'm fishing to tell you uh, to Alan. We thank you guys for what you're doing up there. Alan left here, and now he's back a couple of years later, and he's wearing skinny jeans. I don't, I don't know what, what, what went wrong, or maybe that's right. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm from Elmont. I don't know how many people in Elmont are wearing skinny jeans now, but uh, anyway. <clears throat> Alan will be right out that door, and Becca will be by his side. If you want to go by and say hi and just encourage them for the work they're doing there in Elmont, they're doing a fantastic job. VBS is coming up, not this Monday, but next Monday. We've got about, right now, 350 kids signed up for VBS, and it's going to be an awesome time of ministry. If you want to be a part of that, please see uh, Lori Carter or uh, go online and register uh, to help at lindsaylane.org. We've got a food drive ongoing with our local missionary partners the last Sunday for that. Is next Sunday, so bring any of those items that is listed in your bulletin. And you can put those in any of the bins around our campus. And lastly, before we leave today, at the top of your bulletin on the inside uh, is a night of prayer. That's this Wednesday night at 630. I don't know if you see a reoccurring theme of what God's trying to wrap our minds around, but I think it might be prayer. And this is just from Andy John. He wanted me to relay this message. We need to pray together. Amen. And we'll do that in here this Wednesday night at 630. Let's pray one more time. Uh, Father God, we do thank you. For the things that you're doing at all of our campuses. Lord, we thank you for our campus pastors and Andy John and uh, just the vision that you've given those young men uh, to lead your church. Father, we do pray that we will be a praying people, not only at this campus, but uh, every Lindsay Lane campus, at every church. God, we pray that we will be a united uh, Christian family. God, and we will be Uh, just uh, again a praying people uh, that will have a passion and a desire to see reconciliation and restoration in families and in our neighborhoods, God. And we pray that as we leave here, uh, that will be on the forefront of our minds, Lord, to just love people and be a light to people. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.